Santa baby just leave some milf and cookies out here for you ho 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 what's this a present oh there's a tag it says to Gigi enjoy the gift that keeps on giving love your secret Santa oh that's so cute I wonder who left this here it feels like a blu-ray wait there's another note what does this one say secret Santa San the program you are about to hear contains strong language and adult themes so listener discretion is advised okay so nothing out of my usual lifestyle this present also contains spoilers for any anime series, so please be warned if there's one you have yet to finish, especially our feature presentation. Well, that's vague. And finally, the thoughts and opinions in this episode are those of the individual participants and do not represent Dub Talk as a whole. Legal jargon. Awesome? Well, screw it. I'm just gonna unwrap this. Early Christmas. I know Kusabi, huh? I wonder what that means. I'm just gonna pop it into my laptop and push play and... Oh. Uh-oh. Oh my. What is... Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. What? What, what is... It? Oh sweet baby Jesus. It's a Christmas miracle. I don't even know what's going on. Who am I? What am I? What am I? Oh my god. God. What's happening, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Dub Talk, the podcast where a bunch of blondies get together to discuss the latest in anime English simul dubs and home video releases. Joining me tonight are my good non-kink shaming friends, Megan, Zenith, and Noah. And tonight, ah! well, we're going into the danger zone on another planet where there is an abundance of leather. Crop tops, so many abs. and too many boys. So many abs. Ladies Danger and ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we got ourselves a BL dub. Yay! Woo. We did it, fam. We Woo. did it, fam. It's time for I know Kusabi, Woo. the space between. <laughs> yes, queen. No, are you crying, no or is that your the daughter? The space between. If there are space between the boys, that would be just wrong. <laughs> what happened, Chi? This is gonna be so. I, I, I was prepared to discuss fun. like like deep philosophical cartoons that have you know significance to the culture. Like I, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but you know like what what is this? Why am I here? What's going on? Oh well, you volunteered. You did volunteer. We didn't force you. This is not Nora. To Nora. To la 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 la. This is not Noah torture. Yes, that time. was last week. That was. I'm only wearing a dog collar this time. It's a fuzzy ball thing. <laughs> You're not in the cage. That's my job. Please, please, madam, can I have another? All right. Well, before Noah, I start kink shaming him. Um, I have to give a huge shout out and a thank you to Media Blasters and Coaches Sound because they provided us a review copy of this four episode OVA. So thank you guys so much. Doing the Lord's work. 
Yes, for doing the Lord's work, for giving us the BL dub that we have prayed for. It's the a prettiest boys miracle. I yeah! have seen in my entire career as an anime viewer. Lie, you've watched Yuri on Ice. There are nipples. So Media Blasters actually heard we wanted to do an episode on this anime, and they reached out to the podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my boy-loving heart. Again, you guys are awesome. And uh, they really did a social media blitz for this release, guys. They tweeted out cast announcements, dub clips. They even let the fans choose the subtitle, The Space Between, with a poll. So it's really obvious that this was a labor of love, and not just boys' love. This was actually released a few years ago, subtitled only, but Media Blasters took this chance with what fans were clamoring for, and they re-released it on Blu-ray and DVD with a brand new dub right before Christmas. So this is actually, guys, the very first HD Blu-ray dubbed Yaoi show. Wow. This is the first one. This, This is like a milestone Media Blasters has, like, is blasting off with us. So I'm super pumped. I'm super happy. I'm super excited to talk about all these beautiful boys. And thanks for listening to me whine on Twitter. You guys are awesome. All right. So do you guys know what I know Kasabi is about? Yes. I didn't until I read a plot summary on Wiki. So <laughs> I'm a. I okay so like because this is a four episode OVA and initially it was supposed to be 12 so the plot kind of got cut off in the first quarter but we're this is what we're gonna work with um so let me help you out here there's a dystopian universe on the planet of Amoy where three different social classes inhabit the future futuristic lands among the neon and the poorly rendered CGI flying cars there there are blondies the elite class the Midas citizens who live in a Vegas like city and mongrels woo, who live in the slums ow, ow. The elites like to keep pets for themselves and our alpha mayor and our alpha male and leader of the blondies, Yeson Mink, has taken in a mongrel, Riki, for his papa. Riki used to be the leader of a gang called Bison. (laughs) You're laughing because I said papa. So so wait, is this a remake of Slumdog Millionaire? (laughs) Shut your mouth! Megan death count, one. Oh god. <laughs> Why did you have to use the word pupper? <laughs> There's gonna be a giant pool of blood where everybody's nose used to be. Specify <laughs> that when you say yes. pets, Just when you say her, pets, they are actual human go. beings. Let her go. But they are, they so are referred low on the to caste system that they are actually um, referred so to as Riki pets. So Riki used to be the leader of a gang called Bison, and much like Miley Cyrus, can't be tamed, or can he? Oh god. I mean I mean he came <laughs> in like a wrecking ball, you know. Stop! On that chain and everything. Mm. Uh, although it Stop! makes the best of both worlds. Stop! <laughs> I mean, it. I hate all of you. It, it's 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 all about Don't the climb. You, love you know that what I'm I saying? wrote this myself. <laughs> it is. Oh my the god! Climb. Stop! The climb all the way I, I up his should, body. We should Yeson, be ashamed that we oh. know this many Miley Cyrus songs. I am kind of ashamed. Yason offers Riki his freedom for a year. And will our cute little pet reenact Snoopy come home? Or will he go back to his gang and his no, former life? <laughs> we have a pretty 
if I can have, can I have one little no, uh, tidbit of the, the background of the show? Though? I'm so glad someone did that. So, uh, <laughs> that's gonna be me throughout this entire episode. Oh yeah. Um. Also, because this is supposed to be 12 episodes, AIC canceled it after four. So we have a pretty incomplete story. But who cares? It's time for Gigi's Yowie Corner, and Noah has something to say. Uh, as, a, as a little bit of background information, the original uh, novel this was based on was written all the way back in the 80s. So Yes. Yes. So it and was it acceptable also, in the 80s. This was also a remake from a two-episode OVA from the 90s. So this is like, I know Kusabi is like really popular. Um, strangely, I had never heard of it until somebody tweeted about it, probably Media Blasters, and said, hey, we got boys making out. And I was I'm like, down. Yeah, man. Uh, there, there, there's boys kissing boys, you know, <laughs> down. There's boys doing more than kissing boys. They, they, they go, they, they, let's just but... say there's a lot of um, home runs that have been hit in this show. Okay. They, they certainly like to do it doggy style. All right, we're done. No! We're done with that. <laughs> Guys... I, we're keeping it classy tonight on DT. Cl- keeping it classy. So let's talk about some classy lady. Um, her name is uh, Brittany Lotta. She is the director of this show. Um, we have our assistant director, Mr. Matt Shipman. Yay! And our writers are also Mr. Matt Shipman and Mr. Y. Yeah. All right. Yay! So Brittany. Awesome. Very cool people. We love them. So uh, Brittany Lotta, if you've never heard of her, has directed such titles as World War Blue, Holy Night, Ladies vs. Butlers, and Jude and Chan. Matt Shipman has been an assistant director on World War Blue, Jude and Chan, uh, and Rainbow Rio, Rio Rainbow Gates. And he's also a writer on A New Game and A Sister's All You Need. No sisters needed in this anime. Um, Mr. No girls allowed. Girl. Girl. No girls. Girl. No, get out. Um, And for Mr. Y. Chang, this is his first writing credit. So we have two people who obviously like to work with each other a lot. And then we have a newbie. A newbie. So, um, guys, very first BL for the high definition screenings what do we think of the direction and the writing of this uh, masterpiece of i'll abs? go first um the direction and writing on the show is top notch um there are a lot of cases where Brittany, matt and y could have honestly phoned it in and camped the hell out of the show because, let's face it, first episode of the show is really uncomfortable. Um, really uncomfortable. Episodes two through four, not as uncomfortable. Um, episodes two and three were like the big gay romp. Like, I really loved episodes two and three. I was in my happy time. Yeah, two and three like, are great. Yeah. Because two and three go through a lot of, like, a lot of Riki's head and dealing with a lot of these characters. And they're... Yeah views on social status their views on each other um there are a lot of lines in episode two that make me laugh my ass off including one uttered by a sir uh cliffy chape which i believe was (laughs) it doesn't uh calm your tits we're gonna catch him and shank him anyways 
Oh. Bless. God bless. <laughs> I think they tell God people bless. to jack and, off in this show. Well, let us not forget the response that's given right back to Clifford, which is, you kids should go home, clean your dicks, and go to bed. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, which... I, I, I didn't get to watch means. the sub of the show before this, unfortunately, so I can't tell if that line no. was actually in the Japanese or not. I'll have to ask a friend of mine um, who she has seen the Japanese, and she was the one who told me that this show is, like, not, like, hentai. So thanks, Kenny. Um, thanks to my friend Kenny, who is the actual BL extraordinaire, who I would not be as far deep into this trash without her. Um, but... The biggest thing for me is that the writing is really solid, especially Matt, and for Y, who it's his first time doing official translations. Um, he also does YouTube covers as a singer, so he does sing adapted lyrics. I don't know if he... <laughs> I believe he writes them himself. Um, but for me, the biggest standout thing is Brittany Lauda's direction and who she got to be in this fucking show. Yeah, Like, there's a lot of heavy it's... hitters... There, if you looked at the cast of this show and didn't see the name of the show, you would assume that this was like your run of the mill simul dub cast and a very strong simul dub cast or a very strong yes. home video cast for Funimation. Um, so I think that she did a great job, and I'm gonna pass it on so I don't take up all the time. Yes, God bless, God bless Brittany, God bless Brittany. Um, seriously, this is this is like living the dream. Like every time Kocha or Media Blasters tweeted out some new cast people in it, I was just like, how? How, how is this top tier? How much are you paying these people to voice in this anime? Like I'd never seen it. I knew nothing about it. So I was just like, how? I don't understand. Mm. It's like Britney has this golden Rolodex of voice actor boys who she just calls up at midnight and is like yo yo hey you what are you doing tonight are you bored you want to come get in the booth and lick some nipples i'm just like so amazing like the casting for this was outrageous and it covers coast almost coast to coast i guess if you count matt shipman is new york still i don't know if you would mm -hmm. but it definitely at least covers West Coast to Texas, which is more than a lot of other dubs. Um, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I don't I don't know how it came about, like if Media Blasters contacted anyone or that if this is a passion project. However, it is just thank you. And I would like to point this out that that the um, the more racy bits are, are pretty classy. Mm -hmm. So you kept it classy. You kept it classy. It it could have been the big H, but it's not. So bravo. Um, as for the writing, this shit is so camp. It is so trash. Like the dialogue in this is the best, especially when it focuses on the mongrels, like in episodes two and three. Um, I found it hard to understand the story, but I think that's because, and I read this somewhere that, um, when the anime was first produced, they made it with fans in mind who already knew the story. And so for somebody coming in, I had zero idea what was going on. And I still had zero idea what was going on until I like went to Wikipedia yeah. and, and read the plot summary. And I was like, okay, well, but I think that's mostly the anime's fault. Um, I loved all the fighting. I loved all the cursing. I loved all the little buzzwords that were thrown in there, like 
beta and god this is so trash and i love and i say it in a great way shoujo trashy campy the best way i loved the dialogue in this um especially you know when it came from the bison gang like those were my favorites so (sighs) all right i'm good i'm i'm good i'm good are you good it was is it good for you it's mostly uh pretty pretty good you know um oh okay okay good (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, I'm gonna actually slightly disagree on some of the word choices. Like, I, I know you said that you laughed when uh, they referred to some of the characters as a, was it, um, they're all a bunch of betas. And I, I never, yes. I never quite like when that word gets dropped in a modern dub because, um, I don't know if it has been used in a dub before the Tumblr days, but ever since Tumblr came around, it's always used to, you know, denote, uh, connotate a negative stereotype of, like, someone who doesn't want to be a leader. So that, that felt more, uh, I suppose, adaptive than I would have liked, but I'm not going to say it didn't my personal uh, preference. Zenith, what do you think about it? I really was pleasantly surprised by this. Um, I was taken aback a bit at the first episode because it's something that I'm not really used to, but then again, I am all about the gay, so I, I thought, you know... <laughs> I, I thought it was uh, it was highly enjoyable, but I think what really makes it is the writing and the direction. Like this could have just been um, something like Code Realize, where I really didn't care about the story, but I actually cared about all of these characters. I cared about the story quite a bit. I thought it was intelligent. I thought a lot of the stuff they did with class structures and cast systems was very um, relevant, especially in today's day and age. I mean, granted, we don't have pets in the same sense, but um, a lot of the cast system is uh, kind of parallel to our own in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the writing, I think the writing is what really sells um, a lot of it. The dialogue between a lot of these characters feels so natural. And here's the thing. Um, I have a problem with sometimes uh, in, in a lot of simul dubs when they use slang or like they try to modernize it. Um, that's not what they did here, and I think that's the key point. The thing that I like most about this, rather than, you know, say something, um, like, uh, the Danganronpa, the animation dub, where this doesn't date itself. It has people talking, um, naturally like they would to others, like, you know, go home and clean your dick. That's, that's something that, you know, people might say. Uh, you know, I, I, I could see... Especially in the 80s. I, I could see somebody. I could see somebody say that, and uh, if they're snarky enough, but it, it doesn't have like a slang connotation to it, and I think that's what really sells it to me. Everything's um, very befitting of the class structure of the people that are saying these things, and um, I, I again, I fell for these characters. I thought the script was great, um, but the voice acting. Oh my god, the voice acting! I was taken aback because. This is this is pretty much perfection. Like, oh my god, like you got some of the best voice actors I have ever heard to do something like this and honestly, this is one of the best dubs um I've ever heard. It's a very good dub acting-wise, I think, casting-wise. Mm-hmm. I will say the one thing that I'm a little confused and concerned with is that there are like three or four scenes, I think like one in every episode where somebody does the narration and like other characters are doing stuff around it 
and their lips move and i was like wait is that that guy talking no it can't be that guy talking is it that guy talking um i have a feeling this is more of a japanese thing though um but just be a, be warned it's not that guy talking <laughs> noah do you have anything else to to add um, I do like how it's not um, uh, there's a lot of exposition because like you said um, they probably wrote this with the expectation that people are fans of the source material so they already have like some background knowledge about what's going on but I like how they differentiated who does the the exposition or the narration pieces so that it, it like keeps it fresh it's not like every narration piece ha or every exposition scene has to be like um, the the head computer or like one particular character who only exists to dump exposition. God, that computer was terrifying. What? What? Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but there's a scene where uh, there's this part where Yason goes up and talks to a computer, and it's the most terrifying CGI thing yes! I've oh ever seen. Oh my god, the Jupiter computer? Between that and the flying car? No, it's, it's worse than the flying car. Ju yeah, the Jupiter system was terrifying! I mean, there. Okay, th there's clearly this was clearly written in a time period where people thought computers were going to like become sentient and take over existence, which is kind of what happens in the show. And I'm really glad they kept that in because, like you guys said, this is really a campy production. So I'm kind of glad that it's a terrifying CGI. The CGI out. was terrifying. I, I like it. I, well, I don't like it, but I, I enjoy that they kept that part in. I know Kasabi wouldn't be I know Kasabi without that horrible CGI flying car. Like, you might as well call it the show about boys making out and flying cars, and I'd totally be down. And I mean, better CGI there's... chains than handshakers. <laughs> well, that's not really a ah. hard bar to cross. And also, there's a dog collar in the first two seconds, and that's when I knew I was in for a fun ride, because... That's the first yeah. thing that we see when you open it up the opening. And it... <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, well we're, we're a thousand percent in this now where there's no like ramp up. There's no like first no. base. Here comes the baseball analogy again. It's just like, nope, right there. And it, I was like, it's like oh. a baseball game where all you have to do is circle around home plate. I was like, I'm not even drunk yet. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> all right. Well, direction and writing. We love it. It was awesome. And I am seriously so shocked with how much I enjoyed it. Now we're going to talk about the characters. And um, so I we're just going to do the whole, all of them. We're just going to do them all. Get in a line. <laughs> make your jokes. But we will start out with the only girl in this series, basically. There is one more, but we're only going to touch on her briefly. Um, and that's Mamea. And we're also going to talk about Daryl. Daryl. Um, Daryl is uh, the furniture of Yason. Well, he is. He's that's what they call him. They call I, I, him yeah. furniture. And furniture are apparently all castrated. Well, I, I don't know if you've seen the show. Uh, if you've seen Rick and Morty or not, but there's like an episode where they like go to a parallel dimension where people are actually furniture, and the furniture are the cell phones, and the oh cell God. phones are pizza, <laughs> and the pizza are people. That's all I can think about when they're referring to no. the the female characters as furniture. No. No, not the female well, the, character. Uh, this was a boy. Daryl was a boy. They, they kind of is as uh, connotating terms. Furniture is a grown-up okay. pet. Like, furniture has graduated from petdom. So they still work for all the blondies, but they don't work for, you know, they don't work hard for the money, so of you course, better treat after, it right. After my lab so, door stops being a puppy, I, of course, turn it into an ottoman. 
There you go. Noah! So, I mean, you saw Beauty and the Beast, right? I mean, what, what was the dog in that, that movie? Oh, my God. It's God. a tale as old God as time. Song as old as rhyme. So, anyways. Daryl is played by Y. Chang, one of our lovely writers. And Mimea is played by Elizabeth Maxwell. <laughs> Top tier. All right. So, um... Mr. Y. Chang, um, he didn't re- doesn't really have any named credits. He does some voices in World War Blue and Ladies vs. Butlers. Um, but Elizabeth Maxwell, you may know her as Bishamon from Noragami. My waifu. Midnight from My Hero Academia and Emir from Attack on Titan, My- a.k.a. Step on Me, Elizabeth Maxwell. Hey, I saw her first. All right, you can have her because you called dibs. So... Megan, would you like to talk about um, our newcomer piece of furniture and your wife? Elizabeth Maxwell is not my wife, just Ymir and Bishamon are. Um, okay. Anyway, um, I thought they were both really good. It's kind of a shame because Elizabeth Maxwell only shows up for like two scenes. One of them being boned by Riki. <laughs> and then the other one is to call him a bitch. Because he used her to get back at someone. On a a hologram of all things. Yeah, like he doesn't even do it to her face. He breaks up with her over the phone. What a jerk. Um, Oh my god, I hate this boy. um, But no, I thought she was really great. I thought she really conveyed a lot of um, Mamea's emotions about the situation. Because Mamea's life kind of sucks. She's basically being used to make babies. This is not the America I want. Um, this, this isn't this even isn't America. America. <laughs> this is Shut your mouth. Wrong hemisphere. Um, this is wrong planet. This is, not, this is not the future no, I wanted. No, this is not the cybernetic future we were promised. No. I was promised a future where everybody, <laughs> where 80% of the world had quirks and there was a hero academy. <laughs> Bring me to that future. Um, but I really thought that she conveyed a lot of Mamea's feelings. And I wish that the character showed up more so that we could see how she felt more about Riki because she again and that's the thing about the show being suddenly cut from 12 episodes to four um Daryl however I also wanted a lot more of him because I felt like he clearly was in love with Riki after taking care of him for the last three years of the show and I really thought Y did a good job of playing this very stoic yet um clearly like I'm going out like a badass but I can't show very many emotions because I live in a society that's programmed me not to have them anymore. Um, I really kind of do hope that he shows up in maybe some more things. Because I think that he's got a good base here. Um, it's just a shame that the show does a disservice to him. By having this character killed off in like the first 20, ep- 20 yeah. minutes of the show. Um, I didn't really think that was too much of a detriment. Because um, not too many people have... like Not too many of the characters have more depth than what you peg them for from like their first introduction. But that's kind of okay, because the big point of the series, at least for his four episodes, is kind of like introduce the world that they live in using the big cast that they use. So even though not a lot of people get a lot of development, they're still enjoyable enough for their five minutes on screen. What did you think about um, the voices, uh, though? Uh, let's see. Uh, for Y Chang, um, it, it was okay. I'm going to agree with, um, uh, with Megan that I do hope he does more, because it's nice to hear... 
uh, voice actors in the anime community who have a good bass voice, because a lot, a lot of the, the ones that seem to get more attention are the Justin Briners or the uh, Alejandro Saabs, like the ones who have more of a tenor voice. So it's always nice to hear ones who have a distinct lower voice to them. So I do hope that we hear more of him. And I, we could have used a little more Elizabeth Maxwell, but I, I don't know if the target demographic wanted too many Y chromosomes in the... Or no, X chromosomes. I'm sorry, no. X chromosomes in the show. There we go. <laughs> no, we don't We don't want girls right. in our BL shows. There's, Get there's out. only one line, I think, where they make a mention about how the main character, uh, you don't see him around many girls, if you know what I mean, or something like that. So um, I'm not quite sure what her purpose in the beginning of the show was, aside from just to kind of highlight how terrible the living conditions are. It's, it's like, uh, it's supposed to be a paradise universe if you don't mind being treated like a subhuman. Zenith, what did you think? I mean, um, they don't really have uh, too many lines. I think they delivered them fine. Again, I think this dub is really great. Um, they just didn't have too, too much presence because one of them is killed off after the end of the episode. And the other one doesn't appear after the first episode um, because she's partnered with someone. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a give and take kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's there's not really enough to really go on. But I think what was there was good. All right. And as for me, well, I thought Daryl was Captain Exposition, which is fine because I really needed exposition in episode one. Like, I really needed it. Um but I also felt I'm sorry, you, ha- I felt his love. Have what? you seen a lot of cyberpunk anime before? Hell no. Okay. Why would I watch that I, shit? Okay. <laughs> There's usually not enough boys in it. You're not wrong. Uh, uh, except for, uh, I think you may actually enjoy Dramatical Murder then, because that's also a cyberpunk-ish show with plenty no. of boys. Dramatical Murder was so boring, I stopped watching it after two episodes. She didn't get to the good parts. (laughs) I threw it out. I threw out the drama and the murder because, no. Maybe one day I will go back to it. I did buy it. Um, But I felt that Daryl was really in love with Riki. I felt the love. I felt the love. And I also felt it from Mimea in Elizabeth Maxwell's performance and you know that's something that's really important to me when I watch an English dub is that I like to hear the chemistry between the characters and while it may not have been on Riki's part so this you know maybe some one-sided stuff going on here I felt it with them and I was really super happy about it um Mimea was perfect and sweet and she felt very innocent but very not innocent like I could I could kind of like feel the gears turning in her head a little um And as for Daryl, I thought the character and the voice was kind of like a little bit out there, but I also feel that it has to be because, I mean, he's furniture and then he kicks rocks in the bucket. So then he did that. Yeah. Then he died. (laughs) I was texting Megan and she's like, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. And I'm like, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And then he died. So. Spoiler. All right. After. You know, after talking about those two, um, we're going to do um, a really big group. We're going to do a really big group, boys you, and you girls. You want to reword that a little um, bit? No, that's exactly the way how I want to okay. word it. Um, so <laughs> we're going to talk about all of the blondies minus two. Now, I'm grouping them all together because for the most part, really, they're only in one scene. But I felt it relevant to at least mention their names here. Um, also, I can't tell them apart. <clears throat> 
physically. So the only way I could tell them apart was because I know these actors' voices. So we have Gideon, who is played by Marcus Stimmick. Yay! Is he still, is he still our drunk Uncle Marcus? I yes. never hear us talking about him anymore. He still is, even though he's not in as many shows. Okay, so we have Drunk Uncle Marcus. We have Orfe, who is played by John Swayze. We have Aisha, who's played by Melly Grant. Gilbert, who's played by Keith Silverstein. Hubert, who's played by P.M. Seymour. And Marcus, who is played by Lucas Schooneman. Now, I'm guessing about those last two because I couldn't really see their boothies very well. I literally, in order to figure out who these characters were, some of them I had to like look at the pictures that were posted because they did a really smart thing. They posted on Twitter pictures of the voice actors with the character they played on the screen behind them. So I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, God. That helped a lot. Um, so really quickly, Marcus Stimmick has played Mitsutada, aka Eyepatch Boy, and Token Ranbu, Hanamaru, Godai in Nanbaka, and Kaneda in Cheer Boys. John Swayze has played Zoroku in Allison's Roku, Undertaker in the Black Butler franchise, and Kumatatsu in The Boy and the Beast. Melly Grant has not done a lot of stuff, but she was in she played a tea fight in World War Blue, Yanagita in Holy Night, and Risa in Rio Rainbow Gate. He's Silverstein. Pause. Oh Please. no, now I realized who that is. <laughs> played Speedwagon in JoJo's Professor Tomoe in Sailor Moon Crystal. And my husband is Soka. Okay. Oh, from Hunter Hunter 2011. Sorry, I need a second. I just I had to do it. Um, and then PM Seymour has not been in a lot of stuff. Um, I did find him in Yandere Simulator and this wonderful thing that no one told me about that is like a fan-made cartoon called Hunky Pop. And then Lucas Schooneman has been in Gangsta Prince of Stride and Shimonetta. He does not have any named characters. So this large group of people, like I said, um, basically it's one scene in episode one. All of the blondies are sitting around a boardroom table. They all look pretty much the same. And I can only differentiate them because I was like, oh, shit, there's Hisoka. Yes, please put your words of sexy wisdom down on to me i was like oh shit there's uncle marcus you know oh no there's you know there's john swayze like i hear them they're um, they're all I, plotting the uh the uh the punishment they're all mad at uh they're all mad, they're all at, mad at they're all mad at riki they're all mad at daryl they're all kind of mad at yason i hope i'm saying that right i'm Yay-san. not really positive well, I, I think you're Yay-san. right yason Yay san I know there's like a Y sound in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, because, because I was um, watching the show and I, I didn't look up the names of the characters yet, but from how they sounded it, I just wrote it as Yaysa with a Y. Yay-san! Yeah. Yay-san! Yeah. Okay, um, question. Has anybody here ever heard of a game called Heavy Rain? No. Zen, I'm surprised you haven't. I, I, I've heard of it, yes. Zen, Zen. Yay-san! Yay-san! No. Yay-san! Yay-san! That's... Every time we say that, I keep thinking of the fucking Heavy Rain video. Jason. Oh, my God. I beat Sean. that game to death, so yeah. Sean! <laughs> Jason! Oh, so, so we don't have to talk about these a whole lot, but I do want to give a special shout out to Melly Grant, um, who plays Aisha. I can't tell if Aisha is supposed to be a boy or a girl because I thought that all of the blondies were supposed to be boys. Um, but... 
her voice is very interesting. Like it kind of, it's got like this really weird, cool gravel in there. Kind of like she smokes like three packs a day. <laughs> I don't know if she does. I don't know who she is. She was the um, only one who, but whatever. Yeah, she was the only one I could, uh, who stood out amongst the, the five that you listed there. Like, even though each of them yeah, had their like... own voice. Like, I wrote down that Yesha's voice was a warm tongue sounding voice because that was the only way I could tell it apart. It was like, okay, it's the one who sounds, like you said, it's like smoking a lot and it's probably plotting to take over the world in the background. Exactly. Like, she's totally going to make it rain. <laughs> make it rain with all the mongrels and all the Midas people. Um, I don't want to say the word stunt casting, but I just did. And it was brilliant because it kept me interested in a scene that was basically just a bunch of the same looking character talking around a table because I was like, oh, you, oh, you, I know you, you're amazing, you know, and I was just so blown away by it. Um, but that's all I have to say really about this group of blondies. I wish I would have heard the two guys who I don't know more because I'm not, I don't. Like, I don't know them, and I would have liked to have heard more from them. And even now, I can't pick out their voices or their characters. And they may not even be in this group, but I put them in there because I just I had no clue. Um, but I would like to hear more from them. And Melly Grant sounded really cool. And, of course, shout out to my husband, Keith Silverstein. Um, anyone else want to talk about these blondies really quickly? Uh, I thought they were all pretty good. Um, they all did kind of blend, except for Aisha's voice, Millie's voice, in with each other. Because, frankly, this is on... I know that the point of the character design is that they all... And I think it works. And normally I would say that I hate this shit when you have a group of people together and they all sound the same so you can't differentiate the character. However, I think that's the point of the show is that the blondies all look the same and that they all have the same weird mom. <laughs> Giant computer CGI. Computer mom. <laughs> Giant, creepy, terrifying CGI computer mom. Um, so the fact that they have distinct, like, slightly distinct voices from each other, but in a group when they're all bitching at, Yay, son! About his inability to be a good pet owner. Um, like, damn it, yay, son! Your dog beat up our security team again! Or, damn it, yay, son! Your dog tried to bone the other dog! Um... <laughs> I think it works. Um, there's obviously one blondie besides Ye Sun that does stand out to me, and I'm not going to say who they are. Um, I really like the choice of cast that they used for them. Um, like I said again, when you see these names, uh, you would all assume that this is a, a, a simuldub for a lot of them, or this is, hey, a big project. Um, I really do applaud them for kind of taking advantage of the scene to make them sound similar, yet be distinctively apart from each other. Um, I just wish that there was more episodes so we could see more of these people and hear more of them. I would be really happy to obviously hear all these people in any other dubs. And I should also really start Hunter Hunter. <laughs> you, you wanted more yeah. episodes of, the, of the, the, was it the group of blondes plotting how to take over the yes. Mongrels universe? No, yes. I just want more more of the group of blondes yelling at Yason for being a bad pet owner. I it, it kind of it didn't it seem a little bit like uh, like the Council of Girls in like a show in a movie like Mean Girls where they're like, um, oh my god, you let him out? That is so not cool. Get the barn, get the barn block. He's a mongrel. Look, on Wednesdays we wear our hair back. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there is a point to them not only looking alike but sounding alike too, and that 
they kind of hint at they're all genetically engineered to be bred to be like the what people consider like superior gene beings who rule over the entire universe. So it makes sense that all the actors would be directed to sound similar to each other. And you know, again, that's okay because we don't need to know them as individuals. We need to know them as part of a collective group who are effectively ruling the world. They're like um, they're like the guardians from uh, Green Lantern or any other um, amalgamation of people who rule the universe. And, uh, yeah, aside from um, Isha's uh, voice actress, who I do think it was supposed to be a boy just because, again, our target demographic doesn't want any X chromosomes in this series, so I'm going to assume that she was supposed to be a boy. Zenith, talk about the blondes, and I don't mean me. Um, Didn't she already go? No. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Um, like you guys said, I mean, they, they pretty much all blended together. They weren't, I'm not going to say they're bad because they weren't bad. It just, uh, they, they all had a very, uh, kind of amalgamation characteristics. And I think that was kind of the point is that they're all kind of like inbred elites. Um, so I mean, (laughs) like, you know, they, they don't. not wrong. (laughs) They don't really uh, I mean, stand out aside from the collective whole, and I think that's the point, and I think that's um, well done. So, uh, you know, for what it is, I think they did a good job. I mean, easily if this was... Like, imagine if they had dubbed this with the way anime used to be dubbed back in the 80s when the series was first being written. They would all be the same person. Yeah, and, they would. and their dialogue would be super cheesy. They would, like, have over-the-top enunciation all the words, like, It is a crime that we would allow a mongrel to steal furniture. It is something no. that we Here we go. Did. This is how it would be. Woo! Yes, and your pet has done such naughty oh, things. Oh, yes, yes. And they would also be overtly gay. There would there is no subtlety in the 80s. Only hammers. There was very... No, there, I actually wrote on my notes. I, I circled... It's not very subtle. You know what this reminds me of? <laughs> this reminds me of the Hunger Games a little bit um, in the way they portray some of these characters. Oh, it does. It, there's a lot. It's it, very much in the vein of Hunger Games, which is a lot of those. The world is crap, and it's only that way because the ruling class it takes enjoyment out of everyone's misery. To- now I see Effie running the fucking pet auction. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, for one, welcome our future blonde overlords. One of them will probably be me. So just damn saying. it, I forgot she's a blonde. Kill her 500 now. Million. So 500 million. 500 million for the blonde. But I'm the queen, GG. No one defeats oh. me. Unless your name is Yuri or Yuri. <laughs> Bye. All right, let's move on. So we're going to go from the very, very top, the top of the case system here down to the very, very bottom. So in the slums, there are gangs. And there's a gang called the Jeeks. And in that gang, we have two people we're going to talk about. The leader and the lackey, who are so important, they don't even get real names. (laughs) But their actors have some. So our Jeek leader is played by our good friend, Clifford Chapin. Shake him! (laughs) Again, Britney's powers are like omnipresent. Britney Lauda, actual goddess. Our lackey is played by Jordan Dash Cruz. Clifford Chapin is a friend of Dub Talk. Fight Um, me, nerd! (laughs) He plays Bakugo in My Hero Academia. 
Tasku in Gamers and my favorite Dirty Cloak Boy in Token Run Buhanamaru. Say his name. I don't know what it is. Back it up, back it up. You don't know what it is either. It's Not just Dirty Cloak Boy. Not off the top of my head. <laughs> Yama ba- Yaman Bagheera? Yeah, Yaman ba- yeah, I think it's... Wow, I pulled that out of my ass. That, yeah, what it actually is Yaman Bagheera. <laughs> Two cookies for Gigi on that one. Wow. And Jordan Dash Cruz still has his head. Um, he only has one named character, and it's Aurora in Anime Guitaris. We're not doing an episode on it, oh, so I can say it. But I like that show. Um, I, I would just like to give a huge shout out to Jordan Dash Cruz for playing a villain in the original Ninja Turtles cartoon and putting him straight into this anime. <laughs> Brah. God. I was fucking on the floor laughing so goddamn hard. I was like, when did Michelangelo become this? Another staple. So let's, so great. let's make this quick. They were great. They had some of the best campy dialogue in the show. I lost my mind hearing Clifford Chafin talk about stabbing the worst character in the show. Honestly, I wish he had succeeded with that character that he tried to shank. Moving on. Also, uh, Jordan Dash Cruz, good job being a random lackey to uh, Bakugo and his shanking endeavors. This is definitely grown-up Bakugo, like, when his powers run out. You can just see him trolling the streets like the leader of the pack. Like, trying to make his fireballs come out and then failing profusely so he has to beat up little children in alleys. Welcome to your future, Bakugo. I don't think that's the... It's very... That's not the direction that All Might wanted this to go in. Well, All Might's not here right now. We're in a dystopian BL universe, and what I say goes... Apparently. Well, okay, in in that case, yes, please, Master. May I have another one more, please? You can. Just tell me what you think about these two characters, and then you can have as many as you want. Oh, goody. They came in at a really good time, because I I liked that the transition from Episode 1's in the Golden City setting to the slums was, uh, was met well, because... Uh, having the gang characters come up and essentially, you know, like, okay, this is how dangerous the slums are. We need actors who can portray the scumminess of it all. Like, there's no law enforcement. Everyone's out to get each other. This is like the Akira world reflecting of how teens formed gangs and went out and beat the crap out of each other back when the manga was written. Clifford, and uh, he did it really well. Um, it was uh, it was just as skeevy as it needed to be for a guy who decided to name his gang the... The, the jinx. jinx is okay. Is that it? I'm sorry, but when I fir- J E E K, thank you. Because when I first heard it uh, without like any uh, on screen text, I thought, okay, he's either distorting the word geeks or that's supposed to be a terrible ethnic slur, and I don't feel comfortable about that. So I'm glad it's neither of those actually. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so yeah, I have, I have no qualms. Um, they both did good. Um, I'm sorry you got the crap beat out of you guys so easily. That, that was a beautiful fight scene. Blood and teeth everywhere. That was like one of the best scenes in the whole anime was this this scene right it's here. It's so weird because I know uh, AIC doesn't have like a definitive style or anything. Like I, I know like one show I know off the top of my head they've done is uh, Place to Place or Achikochi, which is a super sweet, cute four coma series. So to see that they did this instead was like the polar opposite. Zenith, you got anything to say about this rival gang? Um, they only appear very briefly. They were fun. I liked seeing their asses handed to them. 
Um, they they seem the the voice actors seem to enjoy uh, being like little shits. Um, you know, like, like you said, Bakugo is a very apt uh, apt representation of this character, and I think they did a good job bringing out how much shitlord uh, was present in that. Um, with that said, I, I did really enjoy them getting the shit kicked out of them, especially like the the retorts that uh, the main character makes to them, like. I'm just, I'm just like you're really gonna challenge this guy. He's clearly gonna fuck you up. <laughs> but okay, but yeah, they did a great job. Oh, Riki, kicking ass, and he would be taking names if they had any. So let's move on from one gang to another. Let's talk about some of the members of the Bison Gang. Now this is Riki's gang that he comes home to, and these are all the ones that well aren't his boyfriend um so we have norris and hold on i had to write them down by hair color because i couldn't remember who they were um Nor- norris is the blonde one um he's played by matt shipman we have sid he has the flat silver hair and he's played by austin tyndall what? austin tyndall karma we Yay, have, uh, karma we have Luke, who is the one with the long red hair. He is played by Tyson Reinhardt. And favorite. we have Maxie. He is the big uh, Mohawk guy. And he is played by Ray Hurd. So, quickly, Matt Shipman, along with being assistant director and the writer, um, his acting credits include uh, Kujo in Gosik, Gear in World War Blue, and Sotomura in Classroom of the Elite. Austin Tyndall is obviously Karma from Assassination Classroom and every other Karma, along with Herlock Sholmes from Code Realize, because we just talked about that, and Gene from Aka 13. Yay! Uh, Tyson Reinhardt is somebody who I haven't heard a lot of, um, but I know you guys yes. have. Um, he played Yamada in Danganronpa. Who was that? He's the big fat guy. The first big fat guy? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, he played Matsuda in High School DxD and Kagiri in Carnival. Ugh. And then uh, Ray Hurd, we just also talked about him. Um, he is Leviathan in Gosik, Kizaru in One Piece, and Stronoff in Overlord. Now, I didn't really have a lot to say about these guys. Number one, because they don't say a whole lot. But more than the blondies, this was the group of voices that I couldn't tell apart, which is weird because Austin Tyndall has a very distinct voice and I could not pick out a single line he said. To be fair, they're not given as much characterization. Like, like if you were to sit down and say, like, OK, what did this character do in the show? You'd probably be a little hard pressed to remember exact details about what happened. I can tell you which character did which character in oh the show. God. That, that I can't do actually. It's very important to know. I can tell you which one was in the shower. I can tell you which ones were making out. You, I can tell you which one gave the other one a blowjob. Now that that was that was and, very that stood out quite a bit, and other things stood out too. But yeah. okay, like, like the, the tongue rings, like in that montage. Yeah, that that was uh, kind of hard to forget. Dudes make out. Dudes have intercourse with other dudes. It's not that weird. So that's actually something I'd like to point out. If I can go uh, and talk about these voices for a second. Um, th- yeah. There were two directions that they could have gone with when directing the scene. Um, you could have either made them very flamboyant characters, like like sassy gay characters, or you could have actually used the setting, which is, keep in mind that this is a slums of a grimy 
post-apocalyptic world, not even post-apocalyptic, just dystopian cyberpunk world where they're all riding motorcycles and they seem to all know how to be mechanics and they go drinking at the bar. It's like it's it's very it's very macho in the sense that no one is I don't know, like making flower petals or uh, preparing meals down at the convention center. So I like that they made the voice actors play off the characters very, you know, very tough. Like, I got a toughness out of all of them, regardless of sexuality, even if I kind of agree with Gigi in that it was a little hard to tell some of them apart, except for Luke. Like, I could tell right away that that was Tyson Reinhardt, and he was actually my favorite of the group that you just mentioned. Yeah, actually, he was too. He was my favorite like, too. He's a big, big, cuddly guy who also is like, you know, I wouldn't mind hanging out with this guy. He seems like a, a good drinking buddy. So, does anyone know who was the Captain Exposition in the montage? Because I couldn't tell who it was. I think it was Matt. I, I was too busy. You can correct us in the comments if we're wrong. Because, yes. uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell either. And it, I don't think it was exactly important to know which character. If this was a longer series where each character got a little more development, then maybe it would. But they're all supposed to be gang members. That's all you need to know. Well, I just wanted to know who it was because it was really funny. And also the one who told Ricky to go kick rocks. I literally almost died. I was choking. I, I think the one who told so him to go hard. kick rocks was either Matt or Austin. That was the best thing. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why. I just thought that was so funny. It came out of nowhere. Like you could have said, you know, Ricky can go fuck <laughs> off, you know, or Ricky can, you know, Ricky go jump off a rocks. bridge. And he can go kick rocks. These big manly gang members are going to kick rocks. No, and that's great. That's my thing I want to kind of go off with Noah is that I really appreciate that they just, they didn't do like the campy voice because face it, like a lot of gay men don't have effeminate voices. They sound like normal people. And that's what I really liked about this. All of the dialogue here sounded natural. Like, yes. they just sounded like normal guys. Th this, and... Just bros being th bros. Thank you, bros being bros. That's, yeah, the... Dude, they're just dudes being I mean, dudes. I, I tell my, my friends <laughs> when we go drinking to go kick rocks all the time. This, this is totally authentic dialogue. We just talk Shut about up, guys, um, love. <laughs> that's what it is. But I mean, Guy like, honestly, though, my thing is, is that... Did you knock it off? Um, my thing is that I really appreciated that in terms of the direction and the tones of their voice, they didn't go stereotypical with all of them. Like, they didn't make them, like, overly masculine or overly feminine. They just said, hey, I want you to act as if you were acting a character who, by the who they all have their own things. Also, they're gay. Like, it, it's not like they're defining character traits. That's a good point. Right, like, it wasn't brought to the forefront. It wasn't brought to the forefront. It was just like, hey, we're here. We're queer. Whatever. And we also drive motorcycles. Between um, Maxi, not Maxi. Yeah, Maxi, who's the mechanic, who's Ray Hurd, and Matt Shipman's character, they are, they were, they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, those two are a pair. And they talked, like, when they were kind of flirting with each other, they just talked, like, guy, how would, people would flirt with each other. And then I think Tyson and Austin's guys were together because they were in bed together and you saw them naked. Oh, yeah. And butts. And but, like, ass, I, I, ass, 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 I have ass. to applaud that because they, they went out of their way right. to make sure that everything was um, not... 
like it wasn't treated like an issue. It was just it's a thing. Let's let's continue on with the story. Like it's not the central portion of the story, but it's a part of it. And they really did a good job of um, making it seem like a natural part rather than focusing on oh my god, hey. True facts. It's true so, facts. I thought they were very all voiced very well. I just wish that I could tell them apart, which is weird for me because I can usually tell them apart. Even though we, mm, it's very hard to tell some of the character, the actors apart. I'm sorry, in this group, none of them stood out as being bad. No one was like that one yes, needed to be no. recast or this one needed another line read or anything like that. All of them were on the same top tier level of dudes being dudes in dystopian Mad Max. Gay road. Gay road. Sounds gay accurate. road is is a very apt description. Uh, especially think that you know I, I I know how you you say that sometimes they tended to bleed together. Well, I I think they really just felt like a group of friends. Like they didn't really need to stand out because they all had their distinct, subtle character traits that I saw, and I think that's what really worked for me. Um, they felt like real people and if you look at a group of real people mm-hmm. not everyone is just going to immediately stand out as oh my god that's the main protagonist you know um and they did a good job of mi- you've got the protagonist voice that means you're screwed yeah N- no one had the protagonist <laughs> hair but they all had some really cute outfits um but yeah like they they all they all behaved yeah rather normal and when they were in a group I felt the chemistry between each of them and you got to see the pairings but at the same time they all just teased each other and behaved and looked up to to um Ricky as the leader and I think that you know worked for the group it didn't you know you didn't need to have them stand out and I think that that was great all right gang let's uh let's continue down our holiday road do you like what I did I hope there you don't get sued yeah, holiday road. We're gonna have a holly jolly Christmas, and we're we're gonna have a gay old time. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna have a gay old time. You know this is our Christmas episode. Yes, Merry Christmas, Whoa. everybody. We give you the gift of gay. I, I every single I one give of you us the gift of the Christmas miracle. The gift of lesbianism and the gift of gay is it's for you. It's it's all for you. I've I've it's gift wrapped it. Ho ho ho! The gift of gay is the gift. Ho that ho keeps ho! On who wouldn't go? It is. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Speaking of, well, these guys aren't really Santa. hoes. So I'm I guess sorry, I can't Santa. say that. I, I don't know how I got roped into this. Please help me. Santa. I you volunteered. Don't let Santa know that. He did volunteer, guys. He did volunteer. All right. Um, I have no transition like Andrew for this. So we're going to talk about uh, Katze, who is the red-headed actual piece of furniture Yason's piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about Raul, who is the only blondie that gets to be by himself. Um, Ra- so- I don't like Raul. <laughs> He's an ass. <laughs> so Katze um, is played by Michael A. Zekis, and Raul is played by Chuck Huber. Michael A. Zekis, I have not heard in many things, but he oddly really looks like his character. It's weird. Um, but he has played Cliff in Holy Night. That's his only named role. And then he also has um, parts in Ladies vs. Butlers and Rio Rainbow Gate. So this is a friend. And then we have Chuck Huber, who I know best from <laughs> Surveyor. Oh, God. 
because <laughs> he played Kuro. Um, he also played Emperor Pilaf in Dragon Ball and Shao Motherfucking Tucker. There we go. There I you mean, go. If, if Servamp um, was the only thing you knew him from, then I, I'd be like, we need to marathon a few more series with you. He's also the devil in <laughs> Bacchano, among a bunch of other things. Chuck Huber is a legend. Chuck Huber's been around for a while, gee. Chuck he Huber has been around the, motorcycle been around like the block. He's in that motorcycle a few times. He's a blondie. He's a blondie. He's, he's a blondie. He's a blondie. He, doesn't he doesn't have, have to ride a motorcycle. He's got a magical flying car. Yeah, he does. Uh, Chuck Huber's flying car. Spin around the Funimation <laughs> parking lot. Thank um, you. Now I'm thinking of the now I'm thinking of the flying car skit from Clerks, which ends with "You'd suck a dude's dick for a flying car." Thought I knew you, man. Noah, you talk first because I feel like Megan and I have spoken first, as it should be the entire time. But I'm throwing you a bone. <laughs> good, good dog. Scratch, 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 scratch. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. Interestingly enough, uh, Katsai was one of the characters who I could actually uh, distinguish because he had a. Uh, the actor had a very uh, distinct way of speaking. Uh, like, it, it sounded almost Jerry Seinfeld to me a bit. Like, I, what? Yeah, yeah, that was weird. It's weird that that's what came to mind. But when he was speaking, I got like the sense of um, almost like new, not even New Jersey, but like a like Jewish New York accent to it almost. Um, and that's not a knock on his acting at all. His acting was good. Like he had a lot of uh, like serious exposition or like. I guess serious business talk uh, lines to get through, and none of it was like uh, un. It, it, the worst thing you can do in acting uh, with voice acting is sound like you're reading off of the paper. You know, it will sound uh, unauthentic, and I didn't have that problem with it at all. It sounded, you know, it sounded good. He just had a very distinct way of talking that stood out amongst all the other, I guess, normal sounding guys. I guess, and I don't really have as much to say about Raúl except. Um, yeah, the guy's a bit of a dick. Guy's a creepy, creepy yeah, dick. Yeah, but you know what? That's okay, because uh, Chuck's played more than a few creeps in his life, and um, I don't like a dystopian future where uh, the characters are so cartoonishly evil that you can't believe that uh, the world could get the way it is, because this is supposed to be a dimension or another reality where... Things got the way they are through genetic engineering and people uh, pushing down on the lower classes and just elevating themselves up with their wealth and look at us blonde-haired people, aren't we awesome? So I, I believe yep. uh, Chuck Huber's portrayal of this character who is all the way at the top, thinks of himself as genetically superior and has no intentions of like reverting the universe to where everyone is equal. Like, not to heck with that. We're going to sell people as pets. And if you don't have blonde hair, then you get to live in the slums. And I think that assless chaps are just the way to go. <laughs> what, whatever they made the, the characters wear, the, the, uh, the mongrel or pet characters wear in, in Shangri-La. Is, is that what it's called? Okay. Crop tops. Very, well, very tight crop tops. God bless him. I think the place was called Midas, by the way. Like, the Midas touch. Ha <laughs> yeah. get it? Because everything you touch turns to gold. I, I think it was actually Aos oh. is the way that... It, yeah, no, it's Aos, but the city was Midas. And they also... Yeah, okay. Yes. Th there's a couple names for it. That they compare it to Angrila. Aos. Aos, because <laughs> it sounds like Eros, guys. Oh, I love that Yuri on Ice joke you just that made. That show wouldn't come out for another 30 years. Speaking of coming out... So, Damn, this 
episode. Uh, I did. The rest of us talk about these people. No, we're still going. Oh, go ahead, Zen. I think Chuck Huber did a fantastic job as always. I immediately recognize the voice. I'm like, oh my god, that's Chuck Huber, and he's awesome as usual. Um, the other person I didn't recognize as much, but I think did a a great job. Um, uh, not as standout, but then again, it's not as well known. Still, uh, Chuck Huber, you know, I, I don't think Chuck Huber can do anything wrong at this point. Like, he's seriously voiced some of my favorite characters in dubs, um, and I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon. I think that, oh god, what the hell is the red one's name Katze. again? Katze. Katze. I really liked Katze. I really wish that Katze showed up more. Um, he, he was really interesting, um, I really wish the show would have continued on because I really wanted to see what Katze was going to do to uh, Worst Boy Kyrie. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I think. But I... then the show got cut off. And I think his voice had such intrigue to it. Like, he really reminded me a lot of uh, Brandon Potter. Mm hmm. That's a good voice to aspire to. Like, like a character, a character that Brandon Potter would play in a lot of other mm -hmm. shows. Um,. And then, uh, what the fuck is Chuck's character's name? Gideon or something? Raul. Raul. That's way off. Whatever. The, Raul. Raul the breeder man who makes creepy <laughs> pets to be. Here comes Raul. Friendly the pet breeder, breeder man, Raul. The breeder man. The breeder man. <laughs> Fre friend, Here friendly comes Raul the breeder, breeder man. Lives who on, lives in Shangri-La. On law. Um. <laughs> Now that now that we're talking Hashtag about Rebel. it, um, I do want to go off something you said about uh, um, God, I can't remember his name, red-haired dude. Kate. Kate. Yeah, Kate. like I think the biggest problem with a lot of the stuff we're saying is we only have four episodes, and it was supposed to be so much more. And Kate, like he has such intrigue, but he's not in a lot of this. A lot of it is focused on uh, Riki. And so it's just like um, you're jogging my memory of oh yeah there was intrigue there it's just it there's not enough presence in the show to really justify me saying oh my god that's a standout performance you know well and and here's here's what we can take from this um, the Japanese company will be the one who decides if any more of this gets produced ever which so fucking buy this show so we get more. I wonder what but, the hell happens. Not, it has happened but, where a show that's five years old gets a continuation many years later. Kino's Journey. Uh, just look at Kino's Journey. Look at Trigun. Look at, <laughs> um, I was going to say Evangelion, but that's been in production for like 20 years now. So I don't know if that counts. But yeah, it is possible. Ava doesn't count. But Media Blasters did say, depending on how well this performs, if they'll go back and try to get the 90s OVAs. Good, because then we can know what happens. Which a complete story. Like, I, there may only be two, but the story ends. So, depending on how well this does, maybe they'll dub more BL. We're all fucking hoping. Um, but, uh, but, back to Raul, know. the breeder man. I think that he, yes. Chuck really got his, like, evilness across. Because he's probably about the closest thing to a villain the show has next to, depending Sex. on how you view Yason. We'll get to the actual villain. Yeah, Yason, depending on how you view him. But um, I I thought he played the really creepy guy who takes ple pleasure in breeding and subjecting people very well. I forgot he did that. Yeah, he's 
talking about how uh, Yason needs a new pet and that he's got this brand new line of seraphim types coming, which means they have wings. I mean, yeah. Because seraphs are a type of angel. Oh, that's what that meant. Okay. Thank, thank you for clarifying yes. that. Yes. Yeah, seraphs... Seraphs are a type of angel in the in the Bible, so seraphim means angelic. We did not discuss that Thank in you. my Sunday school. So Raul, like I I think that him and Yason are supposed to be friends. Like he's n I don't think he's the bad guy. Like, although he does bad things, but all of the elite people are just, you know, looking out for their blonde brethren. Um, he kind of feels like Captain Exposition, but I will say that this performance, I heard more life from Chuck Huber than I ever have recently, which is very cool. Like, because, hi, I'm trash, so I know him best as Kuro, who is a lazy sack of shit. And I, like, I heard him, like, like, I could hear the smile in his voice when he was talking about his, uh... Projects his projects yes thank you um so that was really cool um as for Katze like I'm very interested in this actor because I from the way he looks and he fucking looks like Katze like go on the Twitter and check out or look at his headshot right he fucking looks like him um I'm curious to see or to hear what his real voice sounds like because I almost thought this sounded forced and I don't mean that in a bad way because he is furniture. So if he's Mr. Furniture Business, he's... he all he all business furniture. He's like got a hard back and shit. Nobody wants to sit on him. I don't think he was exactly furniture. I think he was just in charge of the furniture. He may have been the boss furniture. He was the elite furniture. He was the, the elite furniture. furniture. The super furniture. Super furniture. <laughs> da, 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 da. He has a cape on the I back. I am it's the really furniture cool. man. I almost the felt... furniture man with many talents. <laughs> <laughs> I can <laughs> I can get you. <laughs> Please don't break any more than we already have. No more breaking. Um I almost I almost felt he kind of reminded me of a butler. So I got like mad Sebastian from Black Butler vibes from him. Maybe that was the hair, too. But I just, like, the whole time I was like, is this, like, sort of a Sebastian impression without the accent? Like, I was very, I was very confused. So I'd really like to hear more from this actor, just so I can, like, hear kind of what his range is. Because I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure how to feel about Katze. Like, I liked it. It was very pleasant to listen to. I wouldn't call him my daddy. But at the oh, same time, no, no, no. that's somebody else's job. Yeah, just wait for that one. That one's coming. But bad choice of words. Bad choice of I, uh, words. Bad choice of words. Yeah, yeah, phrasing yeah, Lana. yeah, yeah. Phrasing, phrase. I'm always phrasing Lana. So, um, but yeah, I kind of like. I'm very intrigued. So I hope he gets more roles. And I don't know where he's based. So, Michael, um, hook a girl up and let let us know how you do because I don't know you. Um, but Chuck Huber, they were both, they were both good. I just, I really want to know what the choice, like how they, especially Michael, how he came up with the choices that he made in voicing this character. Jerry Seinfeld. All right. In a wonderful, wonderful world of 
GG-ness and how I decided to structure this episode, we're going to talk about best boy and worst boy at the same time for comparison's sake. Really? So we're going to talk about Kyrie, who is an unequivocal worst boy. Worst boy Kyrie, who I will also refer to as David Bowie Kid because he has two different colored eyes, and gl- that's how I refer to. He's extra edgy. He's got heterochromophobia. I'm, I'm glad you noticed that. I'm glad you both noticed that. <laughs> so, so David Bowie Kyrie, um, he is like the little mascot of the Bison <laughs> Gang after Riki left. He is. They, they that's do what refer he is. To him, so he, he's like our mascot character. Uh, he's more like a pain in the ass. Exactly basically um and then we're gonna talk about best boy best guy guy oh who is clearly riki's old boyfriend but he is the the best man in this entire anime i don't care what any of you fuckers I, I re- say I, I love the um, little montage where they go uh grocery shopping because you see uh guys holding like yes! two oranges in both hands and i'm just thinking to myself man i bet riki would really like to squeeze those oranges if you know what I mean. Oh. I'll go sit in my corner now. Yeah, Get can out. you go back to your corner and bark? Thanks. All right. So, um, Kyrie, in I am shocked by this, but not really shocked, is played by Bryson Bogus. And Guy is played by Rico Fajardo. <laughs> I All right. would also like to point out before she says it about oh no wait you have to list off his characters first never mind go ahead yep let, let me do it um so bryson you know how we wanted to protect you after diabolic lovers more blood where you played co our new hashtag is unprotect bryson because you clearly know your way around the block and know what the fuck you're getting into so he's played co and diet too he's played darling and monster musume Boo! and Belle. Yep, and Belle in Don Machi. Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? The answer is always yes. Rico Fajardo plays um, one of my new Hisbandos, Munakata from Danganronpa 3. He plays Rap and Rico, aka Mage, and Dance with Devils. Yo, yo. And Megan, headphones warning. Daryun! Oh, it just came out. He plays big gay Daryun. Okay. He looks like him too in this show! He he is he is gay I'm gay Yoon. <laughs> oh god. Guy Gay Yoon. Best boy. Ugh. So alright. So okay, I, I have to preface this by saying that I guess I'm a little fucking shitlord. Cause I actually liked Kyrie. Yeah. Like he was a little dick bag and I wanted to hit him in the face in his both of his differently colored eyes. <laughs> But oh my god, like he... you just wanted to take him and smack him, and then put him in my pocket, really? and then no, like fix no, his hair. No, no, he can stay out in the cold. Fuck this kid. Oh, okay, okay, Gigi, Gigi, explain to the rest of us what is appealing about the, the little shitlord. I mean, he has two different colored eyes, and he's a little shitlord. I like little shitlords, but like the. <laughs> He was a little. Sh- I did really want to like kick him in the face. But <laughs> that sounds like a great relationship. I want to take you home, but I want to kick you in the face. I know. Well, this is why I'm single. <laughs> so uh, the, the boys aren't good enough for EGG. No, no, not at all. There, there's no one who deserves the big Toblerone <laughs> yet. God damn it. No, you know who does deserve the big Toblerone? Yes, guy. Guy. 
Kai deserves the big Toblerone. He does. A pair of wheels to Specifically, Riki's big Toblerone. Okay. That was going to happen tonight. I'm fine with that. Keep it rolling. Yes. Like, I just... Okay, so... Kyrie, as much as everyone wants to, to quote Lilac, punt him into the sun. Um, I still like his Bryson, though, like that. He knows what he's doing. That's why I say hashtag unprotect Bryson. That's your hashtag for this episode, kids. Hashtag unprotect Bryson. He knows he's not innocent. Kyrie knows what he wants. He wants to go out and he wants to, you know, break free of his mongrel lifestyle and become a little pet. But little does he know what a stupid decision that's going to be. You go to fuck up. Right? Right? But I felt that Bryson played him like as a little shit but i felt like especially during that fight scene that there was a tiny bit of innocence left in him that was there that's just gonna get crushed once katze gets his (laughs) claws in him so i like i could i felt that in that performance and it was really good like bryson is killing it yeah like he's definitely killing it and then guy the love of my life oh my god what what can I not say about Guy other than he is fucking perfect? Um, and Rico plays him so sincerely and he's so sincere in his bromance. They're in love. Let's be real. Or Guy at least was in love with Riki and Riki. They were in know. love with each other. Yeah. But now that Riki's been missing for three years, you got to capture that back. And I just, I felt he was so sincere about it. Like he like runs up to Riki and like grabs him in that big old hug. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. This is what I've waited for the whole anime. This is so great. So I just, and like Rico, like he has such a smooth voice. Like I, I know Megan, you really like him a lot. Oh yeah. And And I think that like, because at first I didn't know who he was and then you know I was really pissed off that he played mage when I thought somebody else was better suited towards playing mage but I, I really I really like him as a voice actor now like I think he puts so much sincerity into the voices that he gives these characters that it really helps their whole personality shine and his personality shine through them also so Guy was my best boy. Kyrie's obviously worst boy, but you know, I'd still put him in my pocket for a little while. He would let you too. If if you had the cash, he would be totally fine with that. That's weird and creepy. To piggyback off what Gigi said, Bryson plays uh, Kyrie to the point where you believably want to punch this kid. And you would not feel bad about punching him in his face. Like, he, the, to me, the scene that really stands out with him is when they're in the pet auction and you see him acting out and you see um, him getting fixed onto Jason. Um, <laughs> sorry, I will keep doing that. Oh, no, um, it's funny. Keep I'm doing sorry, it. I keep doing that. It's just a thing. Like, it's funny. He, but like, I really think that he bounces off a lot of the other cast so well and he stands out from the rest of the bison's. In that he's so childishly fixed on getting out of the slums that he doesn't really care. And he thinks that he's hot shit, but he's not. Mm-hmm. And then you compare him to Rico's guy who 
he is just this older guy who just wants his damn boyfriend back. <laughs> like, he... But you also feel the hurt that he's going through because Riki is, like, pushing him away. And it's mm-hmm. not the same guy he was kind of in love with these three years ago. And all he wants to do is make him feel better, but he can't. And I think that he played that so well. And My boyfriend's I, back and you're gonna be in trouble. Basically. Sorry, I, I had to do uh, that. Basically. Um, and I really agree with Gigi is that I've also, like, I think ever since he, I've really heard him, I've been on the Rico train. <laughs> because I think Rico Fajardo is a great actor. Um... And honestly, as much as you may not like the show 100%, you should really watch Garo, Gigi, where he's the lead, because he's fantastic in that, too, and he has a lot of those same qualities with how sincere he plays his lines. But I'm going to pass Garo off. or Arslan? What? Garo or Arslan? Both. They're both right. really good. Honestly, I think both of these are perfect. Um, Kyrie is a perfectly, like, legit little shit. And Guy is perfect as that gay best friend that used to be your lover, but isn't because you changed. And, like, I love both of these voice actors in these roles because Kyrie, I wanted to punch him in the face. He did such a good job of making me want to punch him in the face that I almost uh, reached my hand and punched my screen. That's how much I wanted to punch him in the face. And, um, God damn it, kid, I'm going to slap your eye color back to normal. And Guy, like, I felt so sorry for because, like, he doesn't know how to make things right, but, uh, you know, Riki is just so traumatized by everything, and he doesn't want to say what happened. Um, and I, I kind of feel like Riki almost feels ashamed because he's back, and, like, he abandoned his crew, and he didn't realize, and it's just like there's a rift between them, but you can really sense that from Guy. He's trying so damn hard, and in everything he says and does, he's just trying to bring up old times and trying to make things right, but he can't, and uh, brilliantly done. Um, You know, Rico, Brayson, you both did fantastic jobs, perfect in this role, in these roles, rather. Um, Just just A+, you get a cookie, and you get a cookie. Everybody, but get- not my cookies. Those are oh. my cookies. I still have to, you know, bake more cookies. Christmas is coming, people. Yeah, I know. I'm expecting a box full of anime. And I want the man. ones that look like coal. No, no, no. Those are those aren't cookies. Those are truffles. Are those oh. buck? Are those no, the no? Buckeyes? buckeyes are peanut butter. Truffles are uh, Oreos that you grind up and you get cream cheese. Oh my god! Feed me an entire I, sheet I, of I, them. But- <laughs> if you're a good friend, then you may get some for Christmas. If, if you're a good pet, you may get some for Christmas. Chain me up and put me on a leash. <laughs> God. Well, actually, no, that, that's a good transition into talking about Rico's guy, because um, it, it's it's really easy for a show like this where um, uh, they're obviously trying to make a message about um, society or like what the philosophy of freedom versus captivity. So I was kind of worried that some of the characters would be as archetypal uh, straw men for different uh, philosophies. But Guy stands out as a good example of, no, he doesn't really, he's not a philosophy. He's like a human being. And Rico portrays that really well. It's like a believable, natural voice that you could probably set this character in multiple settings and still enjoy his portrayal of it. Like it didn't have to be restricted to just this uh, dystopian biker gang uh, whatever world this is. I'm running out of 80s movies to reference in this podcast. So, good on you, Rico. 
the breakfast that club. That has nothing to do with that. They don't sit around in detention and talk about their feelings. Well, he's the road warrior no, then. They just should. I would watch that anime. He's totally the Speaking road warrior. It, thank you. Yes, the Road Warrior. This is the Road Warrior 2012. Can't we all just get beyond Thunderdome? No, no. We we, yeah. it, we have to, you know, we have to remake it. You have to sparkle like Kyrie. Do I have? In order to get beyond I the Thunderdome. That was my transition have, for you, Noah. So you better. I, do I have to talk about, about this kid? All right. Yes. All right, all right. Um, honestly, uh, I, I love to hate this kid. <laughs> And uh, Brighton, um, he's got a slightly higher voice than the other characters, which definitely helps him sound younger. I don't know how old Brighton actually is, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually is the same age as this character. I don't know how old he's supposed but. to be. I think Bryson is in college or just graduated okay, college. So still, but yeah, again, still really young. Correct me if I'm wrong, boo, because... I know you know. Well, the, the thing that I like about it is that he's obviously supposed to be a philosophical contrast to Riki in showing, um, I want to sell my body. I, I have no qualms with um, escaping this lifestyle through any um, shameless means necessary. And I can't help but kind of admire that. Unfortunately, um, Bryson's uh, portrayal of the character kind of makes me admire that, that youthful energy of someone who clearly thinks that they are, like you said, hot shit, knows what they want, has experienced no real hardships in life, which is kind of ironic considering the the slums that they live in. Like, Well, I guess when I say hardships, I mean like being taken advantage of by blondies who just want to shack you up and breed you with other pets. That's, uh, that, that's kind of like the crux of the contrast that comes in, and I'm glad that they got someone who played it not really, it wasn't campy, and it wasn't melodramatic, but it was believably angsty, and I'm—I like that. I like the believable angst that we got out of this. Well, and I think as it should be too, because now that I'm thinking about it, um, Kyrie replaced not as the leader, but replaced Riki in that gang. So now the big dog has come home to play. So what's he gonna do now? You know. So there has to be some kind of like angst mm -hmm. and some animosity between Kyrie and Riki. I mean, Riki obviously doesn't give a shit other than <laughs> thinking he hates the dumb kid, but I can see why Kyrie would just want to do anything in his power to piss off Riki because now that Riki's back, wh where's his place, you know? Mm -hmm. So now that you said that, I totally get it. We've come to the end of Holligay Road, you guys. Um, mm -hmm. We only have two characters oh, left boy. and they are... Our main, our main boys, um, our alpha, our beta, our sub, our dom, our, Semi our men and of the hour. But there isn't, I don't think, I wouldn't call it that. The big spoon and the little personally. spoon. How about that? All right, we'll do that. Um, and that would be Riki and Yesan. <sighs> All right. Here we go, kids. Um, so, Riki... <laughs> Riki is played by Darren Mitchell, who has zero credits to his name. Hmm. Yason is played by I don't know how this happened. Say it with Todd. me. Say it with me, your Lord Todd. and Savior. And Savior. Todd fucking Hammercorn. Oh uh, yes. Who I've now named 
or Megan, I think, named him. Didn't you name him Todd Haberdom? Todd Haberdom. Haberdom. Habermobile. Mm-hmm. So Darren Mitchell's new. He has done nothing. I cannot say anything about Darren Mitchell. Todd Haberdom has played Natsu in Fairy Tale, Teru Teru, which is the perverted cook guy in Danganronpa 3, and Jedi, a villain in Sailor Moon Crystal. All right, so I'm just I'm gonna pull up some text that I sent to Megan. Don't you whore, you whore! Just the ones, just the ones that I sent. I will, I will out myself. You can read some of them if they're not too bad. No, I'm just reading the ones that I sent you last night. Oh. Um, which I was in a watching episode four, and uh. And what were you drinking? I was not. I was not drinking. Well, I'm trying to give you an out here as an excuse. I, I, there's is no out. There, were, um, there was no box wine. There was no box wine. It was just me and my my laptop. Um, okay. Help me. Episode four is murdering me. Why is Todd Habercorn hot? I can't. He's Todd fucking Habercorn. He should not be hot. Girl. Girl. <laughs> Girl. I can't. I can't. Okay. So <laughs> I I have nothing against Todd Habercorn. I think he's a fantastic actor. But in the parts that he's played throughout his anime voiceover career, not once have I thought, wow, I wish my panties would drop for Todd Habercorn's character. And then we have this asshole, which is probably the reason, because I like asshole characters, but I, uh, I can't even speak coherently at this moment in time. And this is not my type. I do not like blonde guys for the most part. Like, this is not my type. This is not my kink. But at, like all the the words in that low weird voice that came out of Yason's mouth, and I was just like, "What is happening to my life right now? I don't even know who I am anymore." It's so sultry, isn't it? <sighs> no, it wasn't. It was like it's it was like asshole and like dangerous, and it terrified me. Like, remember when we were talking about Diabolic Lovers and you said haroused? That's exactly how I felt. Well, horrified, horrified and, har- aroused. and aroused. Horroused, you aroused. might say. <laughs> yes. I was, I, literally, I was crying. I, I didn't, oh I don't God. know. I still don't know what's happening to me right at this moment. And this is very strange for me because in any other universe... I would have gone the other way around and said, oh, my God, Riki's voice is so sexy. He's such a little shit and it's gravelly. And oh, my God, he hates everyone. And I just want to hug him and give him a big Toblerone. I keep saying that like it's a thing and it's not a thing. But I was stop just making, like, oh. stop trying to make it a thing. It's totally not going to be a thing. Oh, listen, so stop fetch. trying to make fetch happen, Gigi. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Fetch I'm is misty. never going to happen. So, Gosh. Look, we only wear pink on Wednesdays. Okay, so, like, and also, I, I didn't even write down fucking notes for these boys. But, <laughs> Riki, oh my god. I can't. I literally can't, but why did I find Yesan hotter than Riki? I clearly am just, I don't even know who I am anymore. Um, 
That is weird but, because you've told us before that you like the bad boys, right? I do. But, and, I mean, this guy is really bad. He's, like, go to jail bad, not, like... Wait, Riki or Yezon? Yezon. Okay, well, I'm saying they're both bad, but, you know, Riki is conventional bad boy. You know, leather jacket, ride the motorcycle. Yes, Yezon and this is, like, is be my daddy. Super, oh, super God, bad. Todd Haber, Dom, be my daddy. I can't. God, somebody else has to help me, other than the fact that Riki likes to whimper a lot. And it was... I what? was... In I was... particular parts of the dub... In, in certain instances, it was a nice contrast to normal shitlord Riki, who spits and wants to cut people's dicks off. So I, I am, I, I need, to, I need to um, shut your mouth. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can somebody please fill this space? Thank you. Sure, I can. Um, Phrasing. I thought they were both Phrasing. really great. Um, I thought they were both really great. I thought Darren really portrayed a lot of Riki's pain really well. Um, he was absolutely fantastic in all aspects of this dub. When he was angry, when he was in pain, when he had to make sexual moaning. I really give him a lot of credit for getting to bring so much out of this character, even though there were points where it was clearly, um, taken apart because of the fact that the show was not completely completed. Um, so, and then my only thing with Yason is that Todd did a really good job as Yason and he made a lot of impact, but unfortunately I thought Yason was going to be in the show more and he wasn't. So yeah, I think that Todd true. did a really good job getting to deliver on the little bit of moment that he could, but that's more the Japanese fault, not media blasters or Todd's fault. Yeah. Um, can I just say that the last episode with Riki in the bar also fucking broke me? And then I was like, wait a minute, that's the fucking end? Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, I was pissed. Go buy the novel. Read the rest Ugh. of it. Give us more money. Yes, I I was kind I of like... like I... A Stop it. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh god, we broke her again. <laughs> well, Zenith catches her breath cuz we I made her breathless. <laughs> okay. No Noah or Megan, do you have anything else you want to say about No, I'm good. Our... Go to Noah. Okay. All right. Yeah, um I'll admit I didn't really look up the uh, the actors before I started watching the show. So, I honestly thought that Yaizan's actor was British and was just trying to mask the British. Really? It, it, it like it didn't feel like the uh, the obvious kind of British where like you, you get Americans who like over enunciate everything because they think they're British and they don't know how to actually do a British accent. But it, it was really sinister and it was really slimy portrayal. But it was the kind that you kind of expect from an '80s adaptation. It, it's not really, <laughs> I, and I like it. I like that a lot because here's the thing: we kind of um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching a lot of simulcasts stuff that's coming out this season in Japan right now. And mm -hmm. I like going back to watch stuff from a previous time period. In this case, it wasn't made in a previous time period, but it was adapted from something from a previous time period. So that return, I guess, to basics and how villains are portrayed and that they're not sympathetic villains. They're not complex villains like we have nowadays. They're just flat out unappealing. They're, they're evil. They're flat out evil characters. And that's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to have that unapologetically evil character, which 
I'm I'm sure Todd has uh, has had no experience playing characters like this at all. So you know, for a first time villain, he did a really good job. Wasn't he the bad guy in Rampo Keaton? I've not watched uh, Rampo Keaton yet, even though I, I think it. he was. Um, but this 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 one knocks it knocks. If he were the bad guy in Rampo Keaton, which I think he was. Um, this bad guy knocks the other one like on his ass and off the building that he wanted to get everybody to jump off of. Yeah, and um, it, yeah, and like there's a tiny bit of believability in, or, or I guess humanization in the fact that if you come from, um, as you said, Zenith, uh, a bunch of inbred uh, super people, then you're probably not designed with a lot of uh, empathy to begin with. So you kind of get where he's coming from. But honestly, we this character just exists to be disliked, and you know what? Thank you, Todd, for making this character very disliked in every line that I guess turned it just cranks Gigi's tur- uh, wheel. Uh, <laughs> didn't quite do it for me, but I, I-, I can see where you're coming from. I don't okay, think you're the market for this though. Yeah, you're not the right market. Um, actually, do you want me to spoil some of the novel for you? I'm probably not gonna read it, so sure, go for it. Okay. Um, I heard. Now, don't quote me on this because I just read Wiki. That actually, the two of them are supposed to fall in like actual love. Oh, and then and and that um, at the beginning, um, in the very first episode when Yason lets Riki go, Mm -hmm. like it's because that their relationship was progressing too much to the point where all the other elite guys were talking about it. Because that's bad because you're only supposed to keep your pet for a certain period of time. And he kept his pet for way too long because he had gotten attached. So I, I wish we could have seen more of that chemistry, but again, that's a thing where we needed at least two more episodes or something just to, we needed, we needed a lot more context and a lot more fleshing out of the story. Um, we did because I never would have guessed that they had any kind of feelings for one another ever or would eventually end up with them in the the way that this was presented in the material that we have currently. Well, I yes. don't really think that, at least for me, that was uh, the, the relationship part was the, the, um, the hook to keep watching it. The relationship part is like the hook to get you to try the show to begin with, but what keeps you watching it is the world that they build up and the, the class structure and what... <laughs> what the writer was trying to say about how we treat our fellow people and how it's not good to have a caste system to begin with. So I, well, let's get to, let's get to more of that in final thoughts. Right. Um, right. But I was, I was trying um, to use that to transition over into Riki. So I'm not, I'm not good at segues. No, you're not. I'm sorry. But, it's all right. Go sit in the corner. Senna. Oh, you know what? I don't need a segue. I need a motorcycle actually, which Riki has because uh, Darren Mitchell's, <laughs> Portrayal. I don't want to keep saying portrayal. Um, the okay, the acting. Uh, Darren Mitchell's acting um, is stand out enoughish from all the other actors in this that um, it, it, which is good because I don't like it when um, like we talked about in like two different blocks here how a lot of the actors sound similar or at the very least were directed to sound similar to each other that you couldn't tell them apart. But you could tell Ricky's voice uh, distinctly enough, like so much so that. Um, uh, spoiler, I was actually uh, watching the show while at work, um, which you should never, ever do. No one ever do that. But Risky I, quick of the day. I had to, uh, yeah, I had to um, minimize the screen, but I kept the audio playing. 
And there was uh, one scene where it was Riki and Kyrie who were talking back and forth to each other. And their voices were distinct enough that I could tell who was saying what without having to look at the animation on the screen. So, yeah, props to Darren Mitchell on that one. Um, as well as playing the various different facets of the character. And that being the vulnerable kind, the serious, and the angsty. Just a big ball of emotions that runs the gambit. But I get the, I get the character from the voice. Like, I get enough personality from it that I don't think I need extra episodes to get what he's like. So, like, some of these characters were not fleshed out enough. Now, Riki's, uh, Darren gives Riki, uh, the kind of, okay, I grew up in the slums, and that's the kind of person I am, but I like it. I've learned to like the tough environment, like, you can't cage me kind of mentality. And that's why I think for, uh, um, I think... You mentioned, Gigi, that episodes two and three were your favorite because that's where we hang out with the gang more. Because that's also where yes. Riki is in his you know, natural environment. And that's where uh, Darren gets to you know, show off what he's really like. And we don't have to listen to the whimpering, I want to escape and get off this crop top. And no, it's like, no, this is where I, <laughs> this is where I live, man. This is where I cut my teeth on. This is like, whoa, I love it. I love living in slums and eating garbage. So yeah, so n n nothing but high marks for Darren. And I hope that we... Uh, uh, if he decides to keep up the acting thing, I hope he doesn't get typecast for just this one admittedly kind of sexualized series and that, you know, we get to hear him in other stuff that maybe stretches his acting a little bit more. But Darren, you can always do more BL. We're here for mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you don't mm -hmm. only have to do BL. You, you can do any other L that you like. It's true. Um. Okay, I'm good now, so... I just want to say both of these are perfect. Um, starting with Darren, I think as Riki, uh, he had such a various different uh, gamut of emotions. And uh, the best parts, I think, for him were when he was just like struggling with his internal torment and didn't know how to get it across. And you'll see him talking to himself. And the moment he saw Todd Habercorn again was the biggest moment where he just broke down and you got to see like just what yeah. it was doing to him and he's just like why am i feeling this way and you could see the trauma working its way and he didn't he didn't know if he was if he was in pain or or if something else was going on like there's such a big struggle with him and i really loved that like props to you Darren because you really made this character fantastic and you played up the badass nature like so much Especially in episode two, where if you had just shown this version of the character, like all you would see like is badass, and he's he's able to portray so many different facets of this very complex character, and so kudos to you, um, Todd fucking Habercorn, um, one hundred percent perfect. Like honestly, you you kicked it out of the park here. Like this, I I've enjoyed a lot of Todd Habercorn's roles. Um, especially the Fairy King in uh, Sword Art Online 2. Uh, uh, well, the second half of Sword Art Online, rather. And uh, you uh, you kicked it out of the park here. Like, you did a fantastic job. And, um, I mean, you're you're still around. You're still doing a bunch of stuff. So I look forward to more Todd Habercorning. Um, I, I mean, what else can I say about Todd Habercorn? He's done such amazing roles before, so... Uh, you know, I'll leave it at that. You did a great job, and, uh, both of these two leads are perfect. Todd Haberdome. Todd Haberdome. Todd... Okay. Well, Todd I'm Haberdome. gonna stop kink-shaming. 
Dom. It's not Beyond the Thunder. Todd Haberdom. Oh, I'd go there. I'd like to go. Okay. So that being said, uh, that's everyone. And I know Kasabi, legitimately everyone. We've talked about every named character. Um, so let's end with our final thoughts on this four episode OVA from Media Blasters. Would anyone like to be the sacrificial lamb and go first? Because I would sure, like to go last. All right, Megune, take us uh. home. I applaud the living shit out of Media Blasters for doing this. Um, face it, BL does not have the best reputation among a lot of anime fans. Um, it in itself can be problematic depending on how they use it. Um, for the storyline, BL is still a type of fetish. So take that as you will. Um, however, it's not something that's brought over and dubbed like fan service shows are. And I can say this because I've been on two of the bigger ones that we've done this year. This show is in no way worse than shit you're going to see on Seven Deadly Sins. No, Seven Mortal Sins. My apologies. I don't want to mess that up between them. This is no way worse than that in terms of fan service. Hell, it makes Monster Musume look worse, honestly. And that has full-on nipple <laughs> tits with nipples and vaginas and faces. They both start with um, someone being bound and suffocated in bed in the first shot. Honestly, yeah, and both involve Bryce and Vegas. Um, but I think that this is a really well-acted show. It's a really well-written show. I applaud the shit out of Brittany Lauda for being able to gather these so many of these actors together uh, to put this together for fans who really, really wanted this. I hope that this... Uh, the reception to this show encourages Media Blasters and other companies to take a risk with their BL shows because for as many people as you see screaming about, ew, why are you dubbing Yaoi and shit? Because face it, even when shows are gay and they're not strictly Yaoi, cough, cough, people losing their goddamn mind over Yuri and Ice being popular, um, there are people who really want this. There are people who want to buy this stuff but maybe can't watch it because they can't watch subtitles or they don't want to pay the price for a sub only thing i as an anime viewer have maybe two sub only shows on my shelf uh one of them being a gift from somebody because she didn't want it and the other one was because the license was expiring and i love the show enough to buy it sub only um i think that all the actors, young and old, who worked on this did a good job. And I hope that Brittany Lauda also gets to direct more stuff outside of being at Media Blasters. I think she's proven herself be above and beyond that she's a phenomenal director. And she should be getting her name onto big projects. Like, I know she works at Funimation. And I, I can't really, like, actively go over to somebody at Funimation, whack them over the head and say, Hire fucking Brittany Lauda. But I mean, well, you can, I would, but they're I, gonna throw you out the door. Yeah, and I'd like to come back there. Um, but I would, honest to God, watch any show that she was put in charge of the director on, even if it was like Seven Heavenly Virtues. Um, I would sit and watch it because I think she's a competent director, and she's she's above competent. She's a freaking great director. And not just saying that, she's gone up, gone up, gone above and beyond for this project. Oh. I liked the mic drop at um, the end. I um, can I go next? Yes. 
Um, I was very pleasantly surprised by this, because this is my second, um, well, I, I guess you could say maybe third BL show, because I, I don't know if you'd count Royal Tutors, we had a big talk about that during Royal it's 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 no. beating more than anything, and they're brothers. It's not really a gay show. It's just more female friendly. Okay, okay. So the the second really because we we did code realize and then we did this. So um, I didn't really know what I was in for, uh, but I seem to have very good luck when it comes to dubs because both code realize and this have fantastic dubs. I actually think this is one of the best dubs I've ever seen. Um, boys love or other otherwise because every single person um every single performance is 100 percent good there there's nothing i can even nitpick about certain performances everyone is in the role and does things for specific reasons and everything came out to the point where i was just listening to it and i'm like i it, this sounds like something that I would just normally watch. And to give this amount of love and attention to a boys love show is something that we need. We we need more of this. So yes, please more of this. More um this attention to detail, this this level of polish is so damn appreciated. Thank you. Um Brittany Lauda just just did a fantastic job here. Um I could tell the passion that was put into this and honestly I had a fun time watching it. Uh, was I skeeved out a little bit by the first few minutes? Yeah, but once that ended, like, I really uh, got intrigued by this show, and it was like, you know, yeah, there are some squicky moments here or there, and I, I get skeeved out easily, but I was so fascinated by the stuff behind the surface, and it one could easily have just ridden off this show and give it a bad dub or just a phoned-in um dub or, or not even gotten like some of the talent that was gotten for this show but they went above and beyond and honestly i was so damn impressed with this dub and uh just what they were able to do with this show and i wanted more episodes not just so i could understand the story <laughs> but just so i i could hear these actors interact in this setting again there were so many big moments where i'm like i I almost felt like I was watching like something that was streaming this season, something like um, uh, something that could be airing on the side of Food Wars or something like that. And uh, just the level of of polish and attention to detail. Again, I I gotta commend you guys. You did great. This is fantastic. This is get Zenith's stamp of approval. And uh, please make more. Absolutely. Mr. Clue, I take the collar off of you. You are free. Oh, free. But I like the collar. Oh, well, you can play with it if you want to. It's oh. fine. <laughs> I, I, should, <laughs> I should say that, um, I, yeah, I was uh, uh, screaming at the top of the episode here. That was that was just for, that was uh, all an act, people. There is actually not a lot of objectable material in this particular show. It's the hook that gets you to watch it because... Uh, anyone who's a BL fan is going to see that it's a BL show and will go ahead and snatch it up so they don't have to be catered to. So the people, so the fine folks at Media Blasters, who I'm glad to see them ramping up their uh, dubbing again because I haven't, they've been very quiet for a while, um, which is sad because some of the earlier shows that I watched in my like early anime watching days were things like 
uh, Genshi Ken and Midori Days were things that were actually dubbed and released by Media Blaster. So I'm very glad to see them picking up some steam again. And this is an interesting show to pick up because it's not really about the boys so much. It's actually about the commentary of not taking advantage of other people or not putting other people down. Definitely not creating a whole system based on your hair color. Like, come on, people, this is not Invader Zim. Let's not base things entirely on physical appearances. And that makes for a compelling enough series for an only four-episode setting to it. So, given all that, I was honestly expecting them to give it a much more cheesy, campier kind of dub. And I'm really glad that we didn't get that. Um, probably because the kind of people who would look up newer releases like this are the kind of people who are like us. Ones who are watching simuldubs and are expecting that quality of acting in new releases coming out. We've long passed the days of, of um, outsourcing the dubs to China or uh, having uh, bad pronunciations or you know, just not taking it seriously. This is now a huge business that people expect to take seriously or else they're not going to uh, bother watching the shows at all. If I had any qualms with the dub, or like with the acting or with the writing or anything... It would probably just be the fact that it felt like it took them a little bit of time to figure out how to pronounce Riki's name right. Because I swear, when they first started out, like in the first episode, they were pronouncing it like Ricky, like, you know, like um, R-I-C-K-Y. Uh, but then, like, by about episode two, they got where everyone was pronouncing it Riki properly. But that's, like, just early start of a dub. Like, that, that happens a lot with names. Um, but other than that, uh, nothing is insincere everything feels completely believable like you know within the dystopian saying that you have like obviously we're not going to have flying cars anytime soon we're not going to have giant cgi computer jupiter freak shows in like well at least not in a couple of years but yeah it was immersive <laughs> enough with the the pool of actors portraying all the characters in a way that we as simul cast watching people are expecting and for that, I have to say, if if you people who are listening to this have gotten to the end of this episode and are still like on the fence about whether or not to check it out or not, you should you should check it out. If only for anything else, there's a scene where two guys get beaten with taser sticks. That is reason enough to watch the show. Taser <laughs> sticks. Don't tase me, bro. Don't tase, tase me, bro. That, that's my pitch. That, that put put that quote on the back of the box. There's taser right. sticks. They don't. There's they don't deserve sticks. that big Toblerone. <laughs> they, they just, no. I I'm no no. I'm not even gonna comment on that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. This was this was enjoyable to watch. Um, I kind of wish that all four of us could have watched this as a group though, because this is like movie I do night too. Material. Because I really hope that one of us like I plan on buying this on DVD. I really swear to God, we need to watch this together at Anime Fest. Absolutely. We will. We need My to get like Santa we need to get drunk. Me. Have have some. Have, no, yes. no, 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 sober. no, no, sober, sober, everything. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say get drunk because we have fun when we get drunk together. Yes, we do. Um, but we can have fun. Yeah. Can you my ass at Street Fighter drunk? <laughs> hey man, not everyone can be the Chun-Li world champion. Just me. Uh, so I, I, I would like to say, um, first of all, at Dub Talk, we do do, we do do, we have a <laughs> December gift exchange where we buy each other anime 
and my secret Santa messaged me and said they were buying me this so I should not pre-order it so I will be having my own copy very soon I'm so pumped now where can Um, people buy this if they want to well I will I will tell you after I I have my little soapbox moment okay um so I asked for this like no joke Megan and I I know have been asking for a BL dub or a Bishi show dub or something for something pretty really fucking gay. Yes, as long as we've known each other, we've asked for this and we have paraded our butts around social media waving our rainbow flags saying for the love <laughs> of god, will somebody please give us a BL dub? I did not expect it to come this quickly make your jokes because it literally got tweeted out in what October and it is December and we have a release. I don't know how long this was in the planning stages before they decided to announce that they were dubbing it. But when they said they were doing it in October and they said it was going to be released in December, I was like, okay, December, 2018. No, no, no. no. They turned this shit around. Like it is gonna be in people's hot little hands today which is a feat in itself okay i know we're in the advent of simul dubs now where everything is super fast but this is a home video release like it's not getting released streaming that i know of so this is something that literally they have to press they got to make the art and everything and it just blew my mind how quickly it got put together now with a product that quickly gets put together you think oh well there has to be some kind of like something wrong with it or it feels very rushed or it feels like they could have taken more time with it and no absolutely not like i am so happy that this is the product that we're getting because the dub is outstanding (laughs) Now, what you think of the show aside, personally, I could I don't like episode one. Like I literally I was watching it. and I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Like me, your girl Gigi was like, I don't know if I could do this. But then once it got to two and once it got to three and once I started to get along for the ride, I was like, okay, you can take me there. This is fine now. This is how I know Kasabi is going to be. And I am totally on board for this ride. And it is just I I never would have imagined a BL dub again, like everyone has already said to sound so professional and so polished and so much like a labor of love. Like I just, I feel that a ton of work and a ton of passion was put into this project and I can just, it really mirrors the passion of the fans who have asked for something like this. Like they didn't have to re-release this media blasters didn't have to re-release it. If they really wanted to put it on Blu-ray, they could have upscaled the release that they did before and not even bothered to put a dub on it, mm-hmm. but they did. Get a treat. I get a treat. It's a Christmas miracle. So I'm just, honestly this would not have been and i don't like i watch bl but the amount of titles that i can i can probably count them on one hand the number of shows that i've seen that are bl before watching this um and it wouldn't have been my first choice here like i i like to ease into things slowly I know you're all shocked by this, but like, I was like, okay, well, Funimation has Sekaichi Hatsukoi. 
what no, let's no they're not gonna dub that okay whatever oh they have the betrayal knows my name that's got vampires no they're not gonna do that but then we get this this dystopian four episode ova that comes out of nowhere with cgi flying cars and has a dude in a dog collar in the first two seconds um but hell hey, yeah it's made you hell watch yeah it, more. it did because i literally <laughs> i literally turned it on for two seconds i paused it and I wrote in the dub talk chat, there is a dog collar. Mm-hmm. And then I went right back to watching it. And then it. my only reaction was, hell yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, we have asked for this and we have clamored for this for so long. As someone who, you know, has gone on Twitter, has voted in the name polls, has retweeted, you know, all of the pictures and everything. And just the more and more cast that got announced, the more excited I got because it just... The more and more cast that got announced, the more I asked, how the hell is this happening? I know, Brittany Lotta's Rolodex of Doom. I, does anybody even use a Rolodex anymore? Like... I bet half the listeners don't even know what a Rolodex is. I know. Look it up. Go to Google and look up what a Rolodex is and then look at your contact list on your iPhone and you'll see it's exactly the same thing. But on paper, I have one where I work, so I have a Rolodex. Anyways, but it's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. And I'm just, I'm happy that now is the time, that now is the time for this to happen. And like I said before, if you guys want to see more shows like this get dubs, um, you have to tell people and you have to speak with your wallets. So please buy it. So if you want to watch I Know Kasabi, The Space Between Yourselves, um, go to Right Stuff, Amazon. You can go to Walmart.com yeah! and buy this. I, you can. You, you can, can go to Victor Nendo on Walmart, I learned. Really? Yes. Oh, shit. So you can go there right now and you can buy it on DVD or you could buy it on Blu-ray, which again is the first HD dubbed BL show anywhere. So you did it. We did it, fam. We did it. I'm so excited. We cracked through the Blu-ray ceiling. We did it. We did it. I'm so excited. So that is the only way I know how to watch it as of right now. Um, Media Blaster shows sometimes get put up onto Hulu, but if between now and the time that this episode goes up, which by the way, this will also be our quickest turnaround episode ever. Literally, it's going to go up in seven days. And we all watch the show just like... I watched it today. I literally watched it this morning. Yeah. I watched it. I finished it yesterday. I watched it. So this is going to be our uh, fastest turnaround podcast episode. I watched it today as I was just rendering uh, a new video I had made. So yeah, it's been a busy day. Yeah. This has been such a treat and such a joy. And again, thank you to Media Blasters and Coach of Sound for providing us um with a copy so we could get this episode out to you the day that it goes on sale so you guys are awesome and everyone go out and buy it please Yay. please go out and buy, go it. buy it it and is support it is definitely worth this it. release it is so worth it so worth it it was good for you it was good for me it was good for everybody it was good for it was good for everybody involved just not riki we we all came just the same i don't know <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he didn't say he didn't enjoy it. 
Well, if you enjoy things like this podcast, you can totally follow us on a bunch of social media sites if you want to hear more from Dub Talk. You're listening right now on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Dub Talk, where we have episodes every week um, about the latest and greatest in English dubs um, twice a week for some of these. Not this week, I don't think, but next week, I think there'll be two. Um, and also, please consider voting for the fan vote in the 2017 W Awards, Woo-hoo! where you guys now have a little piece of the power and you can choose your best actress, best actor and best dub of the year. So there are links all over the place for you to do that. Also, feel free to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, on Tumblr. And I think that's it because nobody bothers to update anything else besides Instagram and Twitter, basically. You should get on that. Yeah, not me. Somebody else could do that shit. Although we we do love abusing the hell out of the Twitter account. (laughs) I don't post on it like I used to. (sighs) And then whoever's been posting lately never retweets my tweets, but only Roots' tweets. Hmm. It's probably Hmm. Roots. I wonder who Roots is messing with us all. He's abusing his power. Roots is abusing his power. I'm going to take it over as part of the elite blondies and I'm going to just <laughs> run the Twitter from now on. Oh, God. I just, had, I just had the mental image of Lilac as a giant CGI robot computer thing. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Um, So if you want to follow any of us on social media, you can follow Megan at QueenEra2 on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You can follow Noah at NoahClue on Twitter. He has a YouTube channel that he doesn't do anything with, so I'm not even going to mention it. You can follow Zenith at ZenithWillRule on Twitter and visit her YouTube at ZenithWillReview, where she does a bunch of stuff. And you can follow me at AnimePalooza on both Twitter and YouTube, where I talk about boys a lot, much like I have done all night tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to thank you for joining us on this very special episode. I mean, I guess this could be the holiday Christmas episode. And so now for a very special episode of Dub Talk. Hello, children. Right? Do you ever feel yourself wanting to watch boys kiss and hug and... Ride Todd motorcycles Haber, together. Ha, ha, Todd Haverdom. We, we got an episode for you. Uh, my cat, my cat is with Tom us, Carol's and she says "Merry Christmas." Sung by the pets. We're gonna have to and start paying royalties for all these songs. Dressed up nah, we good. We good, fam. Actually, I think that one's a royalty-free song. But yeah, Mer- that one's in the public. Merry <laughs> Christmas from so all of us at Dub Talk, so our cats and your cats. We wish you a very happy Maybe. holiday. If you don't, if you don't celebrate Christmas, happy other winter holiday. If you celebrate nothing, happy Hanukkah. Ha- have a happy great Kwanzaa, day. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus. Happy uh, Boys Love Miss. <laughs> just, just go out and do something fun, and make sure you always get her the big Toblerone because she deserves it. Or him. Or him. We don't judge. We don't judge. And on that note, or they don't don't judge. We love you all. God bless. Thank you so much, Media Blasters. This was yes. a really fun time, and I can't wait to buy this for my own shelf. Yes. And as they like to say at the end of A Christmas Carol, God bless us, everyone, especially Todd Haberdom. Right Love your the faces. Oh. In the flying car. Otaku on, my friends. I wonder what would happen if the fun police had a flying car. Would it still go wee you wee you? Would it be as fun yeah. if the car were flying? This is a great place to end the episode. Good night, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>